بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد Then Surah Al-Hazab, Surah number 33, 9, 34, 61, 62. A'udhu billahi minash-shaytan al-rajim, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Sunnat aman, this is the way of Allah with those who came previously and you will never find any change detour in the way of Allah subhanahu the way Allah works with regards to those who are unjust, has not changed, and will not change. This I is speaking about the munafiqun, the hypocrites, those who want to hurt, those who believe, and prevent them from doing what Allah wants them to do, in a sense that is zulm, that is injustice. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who are unjust, they are to be punished, whether in this world or the world hereafter. So here we see that uh, this is termed as the sunnah of Allah. Sunnatullah. So the Quran uses the word sunnatullah usually to define the consequences of dhulm, of injustice. Usually. So the Sunnah of Allah in the Quran is very different from the Sunnah of the Rasul in the Sunnah in the Hadith. So should we follow the Sunnah of Allah? No. Because we are not able to do so. Sunnah of Allah means the consequences that Allah creates as a result of people's inability to exercise caution and justice. And when people are unjust in their dealings, then Allah's sunnah is to punish. So the sunnah of Allah, we have to be careful that you don't get excited. It's the sunnah of Allah. That's God's prerogative. Divine retribution, Sunnatullah. It's a very severe verse, it's very hard and harsh on the reader, as the statement which comes after it. You'll find no diversion away from the Sunnah of Allah once Allah has established what we call the Hujjah, the proof. And the final nail in the coffin has been uh, struck, then uh, punishment is imminent. 
punishment is invariable and punishment is right there in front of them. So this is a warning to those who are munafiqoon, those who do not want the Muslim security to come about in the city. Those who have diseases in their hearts with regards to how to behave in front of the opposite gender and so on. It's a very severe verse. Here Allah says the word tabdila, sorry, not tahwila. In another ayah which is in Surah Isra, Allah uses the word tahwila. This is change. Tahwila means a diversion. This means change, alteration. Which basically amounts to the same thing. So we seek refuge in Allah from his uh, sunnah that uh, is, God forbid, exercised, executed upon anyone. We don't want to be in the midst of the sunnah of Allah. That is why we are asked to follow the sunnah of the Rasul. The sunnah of the Rasul is our rahmah because he is a nabiyul ummi and he is the rahmah lil'alameen. The sunnah of Allah is exclusively God's prerogative. And God's prerogative is punishment, divine retribution. Right? So we believe that no human being has the prerogative to punish in the form of adab. I want to punish you. You may discipline, and you may even have a state penal code but that's under the auspices of the state, where the fuqaha very correctly, accurately, and ingeniously said that that is the haqqullah in sharia. That the reason why the state is allowed to punish is because it is Allah's prerogative. They term it as haqqullah, the haqq of Allah, Allah's divine prerogatives. So the word sunnah Allah is something that uh, we should be very mindful of that it doesn't apply to us, it doesn't come upon us. Meaning, if you want to be saved from divine punishment in this world, then follow the sunnah of the Rasul. If you don't follow the sunnah of the Rasul in these very important affairs and matters, you will find yourself being the victims of the sunnah of Allah. And you don't want to do that. What is the ultimate punishment in this world? The day of judgment comes upon you. God forbid, the Prophet said, that, uh, that the day of judgment will come upon the worst of people. The most evil people will witness the day of judgment when it occurs. In the zalzalat al-sa'ati shayun azim, the earthquake of the final hour is a huge, tremendous phenomenon where only the worst of mankind will witness that. That's also part of sunnatullah, where people become so uh, insensitive towards sin and towards everything else that they attract the divine wrath upon them. 
So the Quran and the Sunnah tell us that the way to repel divine wrath, which here is termed as the Sunnah of Allah, is to prepare for the Day of Judgment. And is to do good deeds and is to stay away from sin. But divine punishment is God's prerogative. The day of judgment is God's prerogative. Nobody knows when it's going to come. Only Allah knows when it's coming. But nevertheless, it is his prerogative. You cannot strip God from his potency and render him impotent and say, he's not able to do this because he's God. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is establishing here a, a cause and effect that if you want peace, tranquility in your Medina, in the city in which you live, then first of all, you must not be a munafiq, a hypocrite. Number two, you must not have diseases in your heart that are cancerous, okay, that you promote sin and the way of sin. And you should not uh, spread rumors about Muslims, even if they are true. Those three mentioned in the previous ayah, which we discussed, in the previous two ayahs. If you don't do this, then Allah's sunnah will come upon you. What is Allah's sunnah? Punishment. So the sunnah of the Rasul is to avert the sunnah of Allah. Inside. The sunnah of the Rasul is Rahmah. The sunnah of Allah is Adab. But the Adab comes very infrequently. And the sunnah you practice all the time of Rasul And what is the greatest punishment in this world? The day of judgment. What is the greatest punishment? The day of judgment. Ya ayyuhal nasu taqul rabbakum inna zalzalat al-sa'ad al-shayin azim as mentioned in Surah Al-Hajj. The first ayah in Surah Al-Hajj speaks about the greatest punishment on earth. Why am I telling you all of this? So that you understand the connection between what we are saying in these ayat and the next ayah. What is the next ayah? Yis'aluka al-nasu al-sa'ah. People inquire and ask you about the day of judgment, the final hour. So the reader of the Quran will say, well, what is the final hour got to do with the munafiq in Medina? Or with the sunnah of Allah? So I've just proven to you what the connection is. The connection is the sunnah of Allah, God's prerogative to punish, will be manifest in its wholesome form in this world on the day of judgment when the hour comes and the whole world as we know it is destroyed and then annihilated. So they ask you about this hour, when will it come as if they are God and as if they don't care whether it comes or not, I'll handle it when it comes. Man's inability to appreciate God's wrath leads him to committing sin after sin after sin. And they say, well, nothing's happened to us yet. So they're asking you about when will this punishment of your God come upon us because we're still here. 
and the naivety with which human beings behave in this world is something that is quite alarming. So here the Quran is alluding to that naive behavior of human beings with regards to divine prerogative and divine punishment. As if the Quran is saying, don't be so naive. If Allah wants to, He can. Right. Now, translated in today's language, Allah wanted to bring this person to the forefront where He is making threats against Muslims, albeit, inshallah, idol, but He can. Right? That's the lesson. Is there anything stopping him or the cabinet from doing what they say they can do? Yes or no? No. They can. Likewise Allah is saying, he can. So don't take God for granted. And if you do that and you follow the sunnah of the Rasul, then Allah will protect you. Hopefully the state will protect you too. That's if the state believes in God. But if the state doesn't believe in God, then you do. So here we have uh, a paradox in our situation here. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't necessarily need your ibadah and worship. And we had something of a similar uh, episode. You like to call it an episode in the Ummah's history with Muslim Spain. Right. Hopefully, we won't go through that Inquisition again, inshallah. But it's on the way to becoming somewhat similar. We enjoyed life, culture, agriculture, sophistication, knowledge, universities, uh, good life, having the support and love of people around us, and so on. And then all of a sudden, for reasons of our own and divine punishment, if you want to call it that, which you can't, the Sunnah of Allah comes, and then we have this mass exodus. Mass exodus. As a warning. Right. So what I'm saying here is that there's a relationship between the divine prerogative to punish Allah's Sunnah, and the way to combat that is to follow the Sunnah of the Rasul so that you're not hurt. The sunnah of the Rasul is designed so that human beings, and especially Muslims, are not hurt neither in their private individual lives nor in their civil lives, their social lives. So when, when uh, people mention the word the sunnah of the Rasul, it has a statewide application and implication, not just individual. Right? We sit on the floor to eat because it's the sunnah of the Rasul That's great, wonderful. But there's a higher level of sunnah which is followed. That your behavior must represent the Prophet Which is at a much higher civilizational level and a cultural level. So, now, if you don't do that, then you are attracting, you are attracting divine wrath. The divine wrath will come, but it will come at the hour. Yes, Elokim Nas Anisah. Kulilmuha in the law. Say, O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the knowledge of that hour 
is with Allah and you do not want to seek uh, expedition of that hour because it is huge it's phenomenal you will, know, you will not know who you are what you are as the descriptions of that hour is mentioned in the Quran that mountains will fly in the air as if they are carded wool you want to face that punishment? No. Nobody wants that. وَمَا يُدْرِيكَ لَعَلَّ السَّاعَةَ تَكُونُ قَرِيبًا What is it with you? Is there anything that gives you knowledge that perhaps the hour is very near? تَكُونُ قَرِيبًا You must fear Allah and His prerogative to punish if He chooses to. The fact that he does not punish is because he is halim. Allah He's halim. He is forgiving and he is halim. He is clement. He tolerates the nonsense of human beings and also the injustices of Muslims and the inability of Muslims to worship Allah through the sunnah of the Prophet and that's because not because he doesn't want it or he can't it's because he's halim there's something else that is there that prevents the divine punishment from occurring he tolerates he knows he sees he listens and he tolerates but if you take that uh, one step the wrong way then you're in trouble anyway this is a lesson for all of us who feel that God is with us at all times. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَعَنَ الْكَافِرِينَ وَعَدَّ لَهُ سَعِيرًا Indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cursed those who are non-believers and do not believe in God, nor do they appropriate the prerogative of God Allah has prepared for them. Indeed, very severe fire. سَعِيرًا yeah. In which they all reside forever. لا يجدون وليا ولا نصيرا. They will not find any wali, any patron, any friend, nor any friend that can protect them and that can guard them. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala outlining for everybody that if you believe in him and his rahmah, then you must adopt a way of life that attracts his rahmah, his fadl. And if you don't believe in that way, the sunnah of the Rasul then you will become part of the sunnah of Allah which is where the divine punishment occurs and that will be no one else's fault except yours you will not be able to blame anyone except you because you made that choice willingly I have a choice I can go this way or that way that's not God's fault if you choose the wrong way his divine mercy is that he gave you a choice his father is that he gave you a choice. You say, well, why doesn't God just choose for us and make us do what we need to do? And that will not be a choice, and that will be jabba. You don't believe in God's overwhelming, over-dominating imposition of his will on everyone. Then you'll just be like other species who don't have a will, who have no volition. Then you argue and say, well, he made us do it. <laughs> Allah doesn't make you do anything. You choose. Yeah. 
So this is the way we see that uh, human beings are to blame for whatever happens to them in the other world and sometimes in this world also, if it happens. When that happens, On that day when this happens, the faces of people will turn around here and there in the fire. Faces turning means that there will be different forms of punishment and different forms of uh, regret and remorse and so on. And they will say, if only we had obeyed Allah and we had obeyed the Rasul. So obeying Allah by obeying the Rasul is going to save you from divine, the divine wrath, which is uh, inevitable if you don't believe. The key is to believe. One is that you practice and you do the amal, which are good, and you follow the sunnah of the Rasul, etc., as your way of life. But more than that, before that, what precedes that is your approach, your attitude, and your belief, and your value system. So when Muslims don't value the life of the Prophet, then they will disintegrate. They will go down. And unfortunately, that is what has happened. Not only do we not appreciate the sunnah of the Prophet, I'm not talking about, as I said, some of the issues that are very private and personal, uh, what you eat, how you eat, etc. I'm talking about a societal value, a civilizational value. As Muslims, we value the Prophet, period. Right. But this is who we are as a nation, as an ummah, as a civilization. It was inconceivable uh, that somebody in a Muslim-ruled area of the world would dare stand up and say anything against the Prophet Inconceivable. Right? What? Because it was ingrained in every Muslim that as a civilization we love the Prophet ﷺ, period. Regardless of who, what we do. Regardless of what we do. To say that everybody in the Ummah was 100% pious, that, that's a myth. That doesn't happen in any human society. And the Prophet ﷺ said so. What is very uh, necessary for us to appreciate that even though Muslims were not that pious in certain eras, as is obvious from all the records of travelers and other fuqaha and so on, they all held the Prophet ﷺ in a higher esteem than they did themselves and their parents. They loved the Prophet more than anything else in the world. It may not have translated in every detail of the Sunnah, but it was that essential civilizational passion that you say anything about the Prophet, you're dead. Right? It was inconceivable that anybody could say anything against the Prophet. In Harun Rashid's time, 
his uh, chief justice, Imam Qadi Abu Yusuf, Rahimullah Abu Hanifa's uh, right hand man and his best student, he, he was uh, talking about, somebody was talking about the Prophet Sallallahu favorite food. And we must appreciate what I'm saying here. It's not that simple. It is a big deal. So this person in front of Harun Rashid and in front of Qadi Abu Yusuf said, that's not my favorite food. Qadi Abu Yusuf stood up. He drew his sword. If you don't repent and take your shahada again, I'll kill you. Now, you don't have to eat that food. Right? You may like or dislike that food. But you dare say that you don't like something the Prophet doesn't like. It doesn't matter. I don't like sitting on the floor, that's one thing. I don't like kaddu, the squash, that's one thing. I don't like dates, that's one thing. But when the name of the Prophet is mentioned in that context, you dare say you don't like what he liked. This never happened in the Ummah. Now, not only are these uh, smaller rituals of the Sunnah ignored and vilified, you don't like the Prophet, period. So on the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning these people that you will be saying, if only I obeyed Allah, if only I obeyed the Rasul. This is a societal value, a civilizational value. That if the Prophet wore a turban, you must love the fact that he wore a turban. Whether you do or don't, that is immaterial. Immaterial. If somebody does, good. This is a mustahab. You're rewarded. If somebody doesn't, like you see the person in front of you, he doesn't. Meaning that uh, it is your personal choice. But you dare say that you don't like the term. You dare say that you don't like the beard. You dare say that you don't like what the Prophet did. Even in matters that are not related to worship. So I think it is inconceivable for any person in Mughal India, any person in the Ottoman Turks, any person in any era of Muslim rule, that they would dare say anything about the Rasul and get away with it. Now people are saying, well, maybe we should change. Sometimes haram is okay. Sometimes it's okay to do this. Then you're facing this. You are calling for the Day of Judgment to come upon you. That is Allah's Sunnah. He won't spare you. Did He spare the Muslims of Spain? Tell me. You've heard the history of Muslims of Spain, right? Did he spare them? Because they had a beautiful, sophisticated, cultured masajid and madaris and ulama and fuqaha and qubad and the system and the economy. Did he spare them? No. Why? That's a sunnah. Who's sunnah? Allah's sunnah. So now, many historians have many reasons and analysis for why they disintegrated. Our analysis is very simple that perhaps they let go of the sunnah of the Rasul and they were not too passionately uh, 
attached to the Sunnah of the Rasul as a civilizational code, as a societal value. So we're not talking about your personal choice at home. We're talking about that when, when, when you're discussing Islam, Muhammad Wasallam's face, Mubarak, must be the face you represent. That means ata'na rasoola, obeying the Rasul. So this obedience must be civilizational as it is personal. It must be societal as it is domestic and communal. So on that day, God forbid Allah save us all, if you end up there, may Allah save us all, then your faces will turn because your face is turned in this world where you are two-faced or three-faced or four-faced. So Allah will turn your faces there too. وَقَلَّبُوا وُجُوهُمْ فِي النَّاهُمْ وَقَالُوا رَبَّنَا إِنَّا طَعْنَا سَادَتَنَا وَكُبَرَاءَنَا فَأَضَلُّونَ السَّبِيلِ And they will say, Oh our Lord, if only we, they, they will say that indeed we had obeyed our leaders. سَادَتَنَا We obeyed the cultural gurus of the time who dictates our values today. The media Hollywood, people who are vain, people who have might, power, and glory, name, people who are on the upside, ex- exceptionally successful and beautiful, or those, those are your leaders that we had obeyed and followed the methodology and the approach and the world values of our leaders, Asadatana, our leaders. If you follow somebody, he's your Sayyid. Sayyid means a leader. Right. So Sa'adat and I is in the plural that these Asyad, these people uh, who, who uh, leaded us in our life, in our lifestyle, in our understanding of how to live, how to behave, we followed them, we obeyed them, although it was not constitutional or it was not something that was part of a political system or regime. There are two ways to follow. One is that you follow the ideology as per the requirements of the government. Right? This is this government And the other is that you follow an ideology which you feel suits you and your nature. That's also following. So you have ideals. My ideal in life, my value in life is that I want to become like that. And that is a human being or a value or a system. But I want to become like that. That is your leader. Right? Or those people are your leaders that when I grow up or when I want my children to grow up, they must be like that. So on the day of judgment, everybody who had leaders will say, we followed our leaders. And our greatest people, the great ones, the ones who made it big. What did they do? They misguided us. And they led us away from the path. So we had a path, the path of the Sunnah of the Prophet. They had a path. So they led us away from the path of the Rasul to their path. But that is obviously, you're crying over spilt milk. And uh, your crying will have no uh, avail 
to you on the day of judgment. If you cry in this world, Allah will listen to you out of Tawbah and he will forgive you. So cry here before you, cry there. Right. Spend a moment thinking about your failures in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in front of the Rasul so that you are giving preference to others who know nothing about the world and who know nothing about the other world. And you're saying that they are role models, that's our standard, that's our ideology, and that is what we want to do. So on the Day of Judgment, everybody who did that will confess. This is a confession. Right? We don't allow confessions in Islam because we allow tawbah. Those who don't allow tawbah, listen to confessions. Confession is something that the people of Jahannam will do. This ayah is one of the attributes. This is what we did. It's too late for that. Do this here in front of Allah one-on-one. With sincerity and remorse and compunction. And say that I will never do this again. I will change my values and my thinking to the way of the Prophet ﷺ, then Allah will forgive you, and he'll show you his rahmah. That is the way of the Rasul ﷺ. So that's why it's more of a theological discussion. Confession, no confession. Redemption, no redemption. So this is what this is also referring to. That if, 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 you, if you are a true believer, and you love the Rasul ﷺ, then the Rasul said, وَإِنِّي لَا أَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ كُلَّ يَوْمٍ مِئَةَ بَرَّةٍ وَأَكْثَرَ مِنْ سَمَعِينَ مَرَّةٍ That is the sunnah of the Rasul, that I seek forgiveness from Allah every day a hundred times. And in one rewire more than seventy times. Now who is this? He is the Rasul. He is saying, I seek forgiveness from Allah. And we are nonchalant. One sin after another, one sin after another, and we say we are Muslim, and we say we love the Rasul. Do you? You hold a maulid, uh, and you have a Khabun Nabuwa, Jalsan, a conference, you have a Sirat Nabuwa, conference, Jalsan, you love the Rasul, and you sing his praises. Why didn't you try following him? Can you seek refuge from Allah's wrath the way he did? Now that is punishment. Why are you saying this? Oh, it's coming upon you, brother. Be careful. The fear you have is a sign that things are going wrong. Yeah, so seek forgiveness from Allah. And you'll see the Rasuls, inshallah, fadl on you, will also appear on you. It's more than a warning, uh, siren. I think that's too late for that. I'm giving you the solution to the issues of today. The solution is in Tawbah, in Istighfar. Confess in front of Allah that I'm a loser. Quran is a clear guidance. Read it, follow it. Allah is not about to punish them while you're with them. And Allah is not about the punishment if they seek forgiveness. This is a prescription of the Qur'an for the preservation of the Muslim Ummah, which sometimes we read and then we forget. Istighfar. That's the sunnah of the Rasul. Then he said to Allah, Allah forgive me. Now, what kind of mistake or sin, God forbid, he did, we don't know. Beyond us. 
But he says that uh, I seek refuge in Allah from uh, his wrath. Allah, I seek refuge in your comfort from your punishment. These are the words of the Rasul. So there, the people who go to God and Allah say, so protect so in this world and the world hereafter, they will say, if only we obeyed Allah and obeyed the Rasul. Instead of doing that, we followed our leaders here. The people who we look up to and say, I want, I want to be like that. My children should be like that. Now, they are neither there nor here. And the Rasul says, seek Allah's forgiveness. Seek Allah's pardon. Seek Allah's asylum. Right? You must seek his asylum. His protection. Then, more than that, out of pure guilt, and uh, perhaps a sense of revenge, the people of Jahannam will say, Rabbana, atihim li'ufayni min al-adhabi, wal'anhum la'adam kabira. Wa Lord, give them twice the punishment that you are giving us. They misled us, so they're guilty twice over. Wal'anhum la'adam kabira, and remove them from your rahmah. Curse them, a huge curse. So it's too late. So even there they're playing God. Even there the people of Jahannam are playing God. They're telling God what to do. It's not my fault, it's their fault. So you punish them twice as much as you're punishing me. Get over it. Nothing's happening. You're not being heard. That's why I'm saying is that the propensity of a person who does not seek forgiveness is this. That he always say, "Ana khayrum minhu." I'm better than him. That, uh, I am better. I'm always better. But anyway, what I'm saying is that Allah has given us this line of guidance and protection, so that we adhere to it and we hold fast to it. It's our safety, yeah, inshallah. Yeah. So this is how this story ends. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants to preserve. The institution of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his, uh, his office, his ministry. And the ministry of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam comes from the heavens. So angels, Allah himself and angels, they send their salutations and blessings upon the Nabi. And believers, they must do the same. They must send their salutations and blessings upon the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. That is translated at different levels. One is in the heavens. One is here on earth. On earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala maintains and preserves the institution of the Prophet ﷺ by declaring that he is the last of all prophets. Khatamun Nabiyyin. That is why Khatmun Nabuwa, the finality of prophethood, is the most important theological discussion we need to not only but also promote that if you say that he is the last Nabi, it means that there is no wahi after him. If there is no wahi after him, then we have to follow him. Right. People who are progressive say that we need to make ijtihad in such a way that overrules the ahkam and the rules that the Prophet gave us. 
by assuming that Wahi comes to them now. That's the presumption. Why do you want to review, revise, and reconstruct Islam? Because you say, oh, we have the prerogative to act as God. As people in Jahannam say, they're telling God what to do. Why? Because that's what they did here. Right? Realizing that Wahi no longer comes to us means that we have to follow the Wahi that came to Rasulullah. That discussion is necessary, a theological discussion. Once you have preserved this, then you preserve the knowledge of Wahi that came to him. Right? Second, that the knowledge that came to Rasul through Wahi, the Quran and Sunnah, that has to be preserved. That is called the dhikr in the Quran. Indeed, we have revealed the dhikr, which means the Quran there, and we will protect it and guard it. So there's a promise from Allah that He will always protect, preserve, and guard the knowledge of the Qur'an, the Qur'an itself, and the knowledge of the Qur'an, which is Sunnah. That is a promise. That's the second step. That you preserve Khatmul Nabuwa and you preserve the knowledge that came through Nabuwa. This is your sending blessings on the Nabi. One way to send blessings on the Nabi is to say, Allah sallallahu that's as an individual. As a society, we must send blessings on the Nabi by these two acts. Protecting, preserving khatm nabuwa Protecting, preserving the knowledge of nabuwa Then Allah will preserve you. وَإِنَّا لَهُ الْحَافِظُونَ Because you are now Ahlul Dhikr. Who are Ahlul Dhikr? The people of the Qur'an. People of the Sunnah, فَسْلَلُوا أَهْلُ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ So anyway, this is in the same surah, Surah Hijr. Well, this one is in Surah Nahat, the Surah Atlas. So we, we see that the, the Ummah in the past has always focused on two issues, no matter what the political climate. After we lost the failed mutiny in British India, 1857, disastrous event in Muslim history in India, and many ulama were slaughtered and the alleys uh, and the streets and the gullies of Delhi was uh, flowing with the blood of ulama. 1857. Maulana Qasim Nanoti came back to the drawing board and he said the way forward now is not that we want to fight any authority. It is to establish an institution that is going to preserve Nabuwa and the knowledge of Nabuwa. That's when he established with other ulama, Darul Ulum That was his mission. That the way to preserve Muslims now is to preserve the knowledge that Muslims have inherited from the Prophet And this is all based on his immense understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. Very deep, profound understanding that this is the way forward for Muslims which, alhamdulillah, he was able to do. And thus, Muslims have been protected in that part of the world since that time, no matter what the political climate has been. Right. As long as Muslims can do this, and they have a, a passionate, uh, what do you call it, a commitment to do this, 
because they're preserving the Qur'an, the knowledge of the Qur'an, and because they're preserving the institution and the ministry of the Prophet ﷺ, which is their blessings and salutations on him as a society, community, Allah will protect Muslims. But if we go uh, here and there and try and let's fit in, uh, or re-fit in, well, you haven't been able to do that 40 years, 50 years, how's that going for you? Well, try this. You've tried that. Why do you try this? This has been tried and tested and proven. Tried, tested and proven. Do this. How do you do that? By supporting institutions that uh, claim to do this. The word claim is, is uh, necessary. We don't know whether we're doing this, but we claim to do it. But this is the first step. You have a better solution? Yeah. Now, thirdly, or fourthly, we must engage in tawbah istighfar. As a society, individuals, yes, in, the, in, in, in your wee hours in the morning when Allah wakes you up and you can't sleep at night uh, because you're disturbed or you're perturbed or you're confused, say astaghfirullah. Say subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanallah, alim. Ask Allah to forgive you. Ask Allah to give you his rahmah. That's your private individual duty as a Muslim. As a society, we must help other Muslims understand that we need to ask Allah to forgive us. That we simply don't have the passion that we need in order to say we love the Prophet as a community. What, your Sira conferences, your, your Khatnabur conferences, your, as I said, your Mawlid, and uh, there's Rabbi Lawal, mashallah, that you're going to celebrate, celebrate the birth of Hafsas, and this all, that's wonderful. Do that. But that doesn't mean to say those who participate in those uh, events actually love the Hafsas. Do they? If you sit down and talk to them and say, the Prophet said, this is how you behave with the opposite gender. They will behave with the opposite gender against the Sunnah in these events. You're in a molid, right? You have a conference about the Prophet and you have a conference about celebrating the birthday of Prophet and you're mixing and mingling and you're chatting and you have uh, what you call niceties, right? Exchanges, high fives, hee-ha, hoo-ha, and you say you love the Prophet and that's disgraceful. And on top of that, you expect God now to be kind to you. That's not the sunnah of the rasul. You live in la-la land. You're fantasizing. So when there's a Muslim event, meaning Islamic, what you do in your private homes, and your dinners, whatever, that's up to you. I'm not, I can't say anything. Else. But if it's a public event in the name of Islam, and say, we are going to celebrate the Prophet wasallam, then at least, Baba, do it properly. Do it authentically. That you can say, this is the face of the Prophet Don't sit there and argue, no, in this day and age we have to do this. No, you don't. Any more than you want the people who are not qualified to be the Imam of a Namaz, a Salat, where they should not be in front, they should be in the back. Because that's what the Prophet said. It's not about us, it's about preserving 
the institution of the Prophet ﷺ. That's what this surah is all about. As we conclude, the last part of the surah is all about not hurting any prophet. Any prophet. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not tolerate people if they hurt his Nabi. And that is what this surah is all about. The whole surah from the beginning to the end is about Ida Rasul. Hurting, insulting the Prophet because Allah sent the Prophet not to be destroyed but to be preserved from time immemorial. This is the rank and the status of the Prophet in this world that whoever now works towards preserving his name, Allah will reward him. And whoever works towards uh, defaming his name, Allah will punish him in this world. And that, unfortunately, is what's happening with our ideologies. I don't mean that we say it by our tongues and uh, our words and actions, but our ideologies are very loud and vocal. We don't need to do this anymore because it doesn't fit. Whether it's a political issue or a societal issue, follow the sunnah of the Prophet this is what is in the Qur'an and this is what is in the Sunnah so that we are saved. And inshallah, if we do this as a group of people, then Allah will open up doors for us to progress. But if you don't say this, and we not only justify but celebrate okay, the lifestyle of others who are not in line with the Sunnah, then we do. So we must seek istighfar, seek forgiveness from uh, misappropriating Islam and the sunnah of the Prophet where it is not supposed to be appropriated. That is the lesson. Obeying Allah, obeying Rasul means this for us today in this day and age and it is always the case with the Sahaba and the Tabi'un and those who followed them. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all, guide us all, forgive us all. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open doors of his rahmah and barakat upon us and close the doors of any imminent danger and any imminent threat uh, for us and for all Muslims around the world. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu ta'ala ala khayla 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 Muhammad wa alim wa sahabihi wa alim. Bi rahmatik ya Alhamdulillah. We will have Salat al in about 10 minutes.